Welcome to another edition of Brews and Cruise. I am here with another guest, not only a friend, but also my brother-in-law. So he's been my brother-in-law for three months now, I think. Yeah. So it's the only brother I got. For anyone that knows me, I'm an only child. So I don't have any brothers. So he is here tonight, and he's going to show us a little bit about bourbon, because I didn't know this, but he has a love for bourbon, and he has we. He has told me to buy Basil Hayden, which is that's what we're going to try tonight. And I've never had it. I've never even known about it. But this is the beauty of the podcast is that we're testing out things. So we're going to crack this. And I'm going to let you tell us how you want to drink this. Rocks? Neat? Honestly, on, a, on the rock. On the is, rocks? Is the best. As long as, I mean, if it's not chilled, that's the best way to go. Hit it with a big rock. Get it in there. Get it chilled down. And that's... Uh, the way to go i i mean i would test around a little bit with it but it wasn't until i went on one of the jobs um the guy that was actually my boss he told me he's like you hands down you'll never find a smoother one than basil hayden so i was like all right i'll give it a shot and you know you test some that that they have a claim to fame and for me personally this is basil hayden's one of my favorites there you go all right throwing an ice cube i've already cracked here whoa 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 how much do you pour on top of oh, this? Oh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Right. Yep, just a little bit to get it chilled. There you go. That's good. Yep. Perfect. So this is the Basil Hayden toasted. So you actually had told me first. Cheers. Hey, right, cheers, bud. Ooh. That's easy. Yeah. So you told me to get, it was like a 10-year rye, and I had struggles finding it. So this is the next best thing I could find was the toasted. So when it comes to the toasted, the guy I bought it from here in town, he said this is a really good one, a popular one, because he looked up in his allocations as if he could find it, and he said, um, not able to find it. And yeah. if I can't find it, you're not going to find it in Winona or probably even lacrosse. And so you actually do have a bottle, right? I do. And you had to search high and low for that at I one point. I searched all over the place. We had a lot of people looking all over Winona, La Crosse, oh shoot, Rochester, I think, too. But yeah, nobody could find it. And finally, 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 we were like, well, we'll just uh, have one ship to the house. So that's, I think that, if I remember right, that's how, uh, that, how that, this one here showed up. Which okay. So, yeah, I saw online you could buy it. was like 75 bucks. So not the end of the world. It's, you know, from what I understand to me, this is more expensive than I'm used to. However, it sounds like even this is considered, quote, unquote, an entry level. So I don't know if there's yeah. any truth to that. Um, I, I bought that Blanton's with uh, Josh, and that was on a previous episode. And even that one said this is for, like, someone just barely getting into it. So I'm like... Yeah. Well, I spent like a hundred bucks on that. So what is what's an expert getting? Are they getting thousand dollar ones or what are we talking? Right, I know I'm not in that ballpark range of spending <laughs> any type of money like that. Honestly. We're doing blue collar types. So. Yes, yeah. But <laughs> so this is so. How did you get? First of all, how did you discover Basil Hayden? Because I didn't know anything about it. However, I was in the sauna the other day and a guy. I was just talking to Stephanie and um, I was like. Yeah, you know, I got to find this Basil Hayden, so I got to go search after I'm done here at the gym. And the guy goes, Basil Hayden? Man, I only share that with, like, special people. And I said, well, my brother-in-law is coming on the cast, so um, I, it's special to me. So other people have heard of it, but I have not, and I know I am very new to this. So how did you discover this? Yeah, honestly, it was with that boss I was telling you about. He said, hey, you've got to try this stuff. And that's, that's how I found it. Otherwise, I was just staring at it on a shelf like it was just another name. Sure, yeah, but and that's the thing. Smooth. You walk to a liquor store and it's like, okay, what's good? And then I go to liquor stores and there's some that are, they're covered or they're behind glass cases and some are 300, some are 50, and I'm wondering how they decide on which ones go behind the locked case. So I don't know. Um, I did go to one store. I think it was just the regular basil, but that one was behind. Um, it was behind the locked case. This guy had this in the back room, so it must be something. A little higher up on the higher end for people, or at least maybe tough to get. I don't know. Yeah, you can taste that toast though after. <laughs> I know it's, after it's, it sits for a minute, you just kind of get that flavor pop up in your mouth a little bit. It's nice. Let me taste that again. Yeah. You get the the drink itself, which is smooth, and you get that flavor, that after bite. That's just 
Yeah. But it's not a bite, really. I mean, it's a it, bite, but it's not. Like, yeah. you're not going to, you don't do the right. whole. You don't make a face. You don't make a face, yeah. <laughs> so he had another one that he goes, if I had more than one of this, I would part with this one. And that was called the smoke, the Basil Hayden smoke. Okay. But he said, I got just, I got a couple of these. So he sold this to me. So I don't know if I got a good deal or not, but I spent a little bit of money. It wasn't what, it wasn't the price range of the other one that you asked me to get, but close. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, this does taste good and pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, so you got into this from your boss and what job was this at? Oh, we were working on a, it was a uh, compressor job, excuse me, in, where were we? Oklahoma. Okay. Where we were at. Yeah, we were down there hanging out, and he said, "Hey, we're we're going out for dinner. We don't got to work tomorrow." I said, "All right, let's uh let's go out and have some have a sandwich and some beer or something like that." Yep. And we just went and hung out, and uh, he said, "Well, I'm a cons- uh, connoisseur of nice <laughs> stuff." So I said, "Okay, well, if Fancy. you're looking back there, what would be your best bet?" And he he pointed it out. I'd had a couple in the past, not Basil Hayden, but hands down, it just took me by storm. Yeah, I mean, this. Well, it, the smoother they go down, the better it is for me. Yeah. Because there's one that really stands out in my mind, and that is Wild Turkey Long Branch. That one goes down real smooth. So you always know the smooth ones and the ones that have a huge bite because not everyone wants a huge bite behind their alcohol. Right. Most want smooth, at least I would think so. Smooth and full of flavor. <clears throat> full of flavor and smooth. Yes. So I was reading on their website because <clears throat> I had to do a little research. I didn't know what Basil Aiden was. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Um, it's obviously from Kentucky, which makes sense. That seems where all bourbon whiskeys are from. But uh, it said on one of them, it said if you took like a drop of water in it or put it on the rocks like this, um, it really opens up the flavor. Correct. So I don't know if that's, um, if that's happening here or not because I've never had it neat. The next pour I have is going to be neat so I can try to tell the difference. Uh-huh. Um, but I was talking to Josh, and you know Josh, he was in the wedding party as well. Yeah. And uh, he said that some kind of sewers are totally against any sort of ice or on the rocks or any sort of water in it. It's just supposed to be neat, and that's it. So I don't know. Hopefully we're not pissing anyone off out there. Cheers if you do. (laughs) Cheers if you do. Because then you come on here and tell us why. I'll be watching to see why. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I don't know if I believe it, but it's really just, I think it's all personal preference. So I'd like to uh, shift over to, um, you were in the military. Yes. And this podcast definitely supports military for sure. Um, when did you go into the service then? 2005. I uh, did 10 years with a transportation uh, company. Okay. And, and what was, does that mean? What's the... It tr- means that uh, you do convoys, driving convoys. Okay. Um, you could be in the uh, passenger seat as well, okay. uh, running around doing all sorts of missions, uh, working, you're either driving in the convoy, there's convoy security, sure. um, just running stuff back and forth and a little mix of everything. So when it comes to brews and crews, folks, remember, it's just a passion of what I love to do. And right now we're learning that, well, Mark had to drive a bunch of different things probably in the military. Yes. And they all went vroom, correct? Oh, yes, they all <laughs> yeah. went vroom. What were some of the memorable things you had to tra- or drive or transport? Um, I don't know. I guess one of my favorites would have been the LMTV. What's that? That is a, a vehicle that's really meant for all-terrain. Okay. What the abbreviations are, I don't remember. It's been a bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're meant for all sorts of terrain. The tire inflation system, that's pretty neat. You can go from uh, hard, black top to sand. They deflate and inflate themselves at the push of a button. Oh, really? Yeah, they can ma- maneuver over just about everything. How the heck does it do that? The system they the, the system, system they installed, yeah, just that's uh, cool. Yeah, so, you, so you would use you would deflate if you were going over like mud or something, and then you would inflate if you're going on harder pavement. You'd want to deflate a little bit, like say you're going in sand or something. Yep. You, your tires dig in too far. Oh, gotcha. Flatten them out a little bit so they have a bigger footprint. Yep. Roll right through it. So, uh, did you do that? Did you do any tours then? Yeah, I did a, a tour over to Kosovo. Okay. Uh, 2007, while there while they won their independence which was actually oh. a pretty neat deal for them. So, uh, okay. So who were they? Were they just becoming independent from a different country? Well, so they're, stu- they're in between. You have Serbia and Albania. And okay. And you have a little mesh of both 
right in the middle, and they wanted to form their own country of Kosovo. Oh, gotcha. Uh, war, 1999, the initial war started. Okay. And it was it was pretty nasty. Were you um, over there helping them? No, not nope. not during that point. But okay. 2007, while I was over there, uh, we were helping them out. We were going around as a liaison team, talking with municipality leaders sure. and um, just gather, gathering information around our particular municipality, send it up the food chain, and wow, um, help them out. So, yeah, the thing is, people, and even myself, you don't realize that our military is all over the world, and we don't even know it unless it's some major war, yeah. and you're over somewhere that I would never even thought of. Yep. I didn't even think twice about. So you did a tour over there. Um, is that where you had to drive some of those things, or was that here in the States? No, we didn't do anything like that over there. We no. had uh, SUVs while we were over there. Okay. So that was pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, we had the infantry guys. They were running around in there. Humvees, sure. Up armored and full body gear, and we lucked out. We just happened to have our regular uniform and a pistol on our side. We had all our body armor in the back of the truck in case okay. something bad happened. But sure. our job was just kind of just hang with the people. Sure, that's kind of neat though, because yeah. now when I think of that, if I saw someone walking down the street in military uniform, I'd be thinking, "Oh man, what's going on here?" Were there any of the people like that at all? Or did they kind of like? Little iffy on what are you doing here? No, they just kind of, no, they, not while we were there. I'm sure, sure. when everybody first showed up during the war, everybody yeah. was kind of like, "Ooh, whoa, what's going on?" But then while we were there, I mean, they had been, it had been going on for, yep, let's say eight, nine years. Sure, yeah. Years. You said '99 they kind of started, yeah. and you were there in like '07. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so by what the time, was, did you have to fly over then? Obviously. Yeah. How was that? Did you take rough. a? It was rough. An eighteen hour, eighteen Ooh. hour plane trip over there. That is rough. Yeah, it's a shoulder to shoulder with. We will we'll say larger guys. Sure. Was it was all military? All yes. Mil- okay. Yes, so you weren't military. flying over in like a commercial plane. You were in a military plane? Correct. Yeah. yeah. See, that, and that's kind of neat. So it was crowded in there too? Yes, very much so. And then you have to take turns. Everybody just walks up and down the aisle to sure. stretch your legs. And, oh, man. I mean, yeah, it was wild. we did that eight-hour flight from Hawaii, and I can't imagine sitting in the economy, <laughs> let alone an 18-hour flight crunch with bigger guys, because yeah. military guys aren't usually the smallest guys in the world, for sure, right. not our not our military. So, I mean, that's, ugh, that sounds terrible. Was it a car? It wasn't a cargo plane, right? It was just... No, it was, it was a, a regular, I don't know, call it a jumbo jet. Sure, yep. yeah. How many yeah. guys were going? Was it full? Uh, head count, I have no idea. Uh. I couldn't even tell you. There's a couple hundred, at least. Jeez, that yeah. sounds terrible, just yeah. driving or ri- flying over there like that. Yeah. So you, so then you came back. How long were you over there for? A year. A year, okay. Yeah. We stopped in Germany, so, um, hung out there for our okay. uh, pre-deployment, hung out and went sightseeing, got to sure. drink some of the food around there. And, That's cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, you get to explore the world a little bit. Yeah, have so, some schnitzel. <laughs> you can get the old schnitzel. That's yeah. That's so. That's kind of fun. I mean, you get to travel the world a little bit, and then you said you were in for ten years. So then there was nine years of other things you were doing. Yeah, it was around the states. National Guard. National Guard. Okay. Yeah. And that's so what we do Stephanie the one week in a month. Yeah. Same right? thing as Stephanie. Okay. We're in the same unit. We actually yeah, somebody posted an article about the uh, first brother sister in the. Oh in really? The, in the unit. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I wish I could track that down. How did you get interested in the military? Was your family in that at all? Well, we've got a large family history of being oh, in the service. And, okay. Yeah, you know, uncles, great uncles, yeah, lots. See, I didn't know all that then. Yeah. I thought maybe it was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm graduating college. Let's go serve our country. I wouldn't know that you had a family history of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of neat because I had, I think my dad's dad was the only one that was really in it, and it was during the Korean War. And my other side, as far as I know, not a big military background. So I didn't really have any thoughts of even really doing it. If I had to, I probably would have chosen Air Force. But yeah. I know that amongst all of them, don't they have like a rivalry? Like, oh, if you're in the Navy, you're a wimp. But if you're in the Army, yeah, you're a wimp. Yeah, it's kind of segregated. Yeah. You've got your Navy and Air Force <clears throat> yeah. on one side. And then you've got your uh, Army and Marines on sure. one side because they're in the ground right there in the fight. And then you guys... I mean, all branches are important. Right, all yeah. All branches are very important. Each serve their role. Um, Did you ever yeah, get made fun of? Kind of a, Did you ever get made fun of by any of the guys? No. No? They didn't want to mess with you? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bigger guy. I wouldn't want to mess with you either. <laughs> but it was good. It was a, I really enjoyed it. The relationships you build with the people sure. over there. And I, here, too, in the service. I mean, it's just, it was just outstanding. Yeah. Um, 
you've got the, a lot of good people trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to do something as a unit, as a group. Yep. And everybody brings something to the table, so you just got to take it for what it is. It's a big team is what it really yeah. is. And teams always bring everyone together. Correct. You still in contact with any of those guys or girls? Them, yeah. 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 Uh, Are they close friends or do you just – no, that, I I couldn't say I I wish I had more closer sure. friends that were, came out of that, but I mean they're they're good buddies and they'll always mean the world to me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to military things, there's always questions you're not supposed to ask. Correct. It's like when you ask oh, yeah. like an officer, you don't ask him like, "Hey, did you kill anyone?" You don't right. ever ask that. That that's a no no. Correct. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. Yeah. Is I mean, there any other? Somebody, you can ask somebody, but sure. somebody that's really been in they're just gonna you know i don't know i'm not gonna maybe shrug, shrug you off yeah shrug that question off or i'm so just I'm, really really come down to the point of kind of ignoring the questioner sure once yeah they admit that, you know? so where i'm going with that is there like let's just say you see someone in public are there no-nos to ask an ex-military person or anyone even in the service now is there questions you just don't ask you just don't do it you could really, I mean, we have the freedom of speech. You can ask them whatever they want. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but this is like just the unwritten rule. You don't, just don't ask that question because they're not, first of all, they're not going to answer it. Second of all, you might offend them. Is there any of those kind of things? Not really. No? I guess one, one of the questions you already touched on is did you kill somebody? Well, yeah. Nobody really wants, no, sure. nobody wants to talk about it, right. even if they did. So they're just going to brush you off and uh, really acknowledge that you're appreciating Yep. them in the service and what they did for the United States. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the one thing, you know, I want to let our listeners know, like, hey, if you, you know, appreciate, first of all, the people that are willing to do this for our country, but then also, hey, if you meet them, don't do this too. So I just want right. to make sure that there's nothing. Because then I also see out on the Internet people are doing the stolen valor where they'll dress up. Oh, like that ex- drives me nuts. <laughs> it seems like it drives a lot of ex-military nuts yeah. or people that are in the service now. So. Do you know why they do it? Because I can't think of any reason other than they want to feel like some hero that they weren't, or they're trying to get free crap. I think you're hitting it right on the <laughs> right on the button. Yeah, they, yeah, they want that appreciation. Um, they want that really focused um, attention. Sure. Say it. Yep. You know that, re- that real soldiers have gotten. They either can't get in, didn't try to get in, or a combination of all of it. And yep. They, they don't have it. They want it, so they're going to grab it and make it their own, which it sucks. It seems so weird. It's like playing dress-up. It's like being in Halloween, you know? Do people ever get mad when kids are dressed up as Halloween as an army man? No. No. See, sometimes I think people think, like, oh, man, you're not supposed to do this because it's disrespectful. Yeah. And then I'm talking to you, and you're like, ah, it's no big deal. But then again, you're a pretty easygoing guy, so maybe it doesn't bother you like it might someone else. No. I actually, go back to that kid thing. I found a, a picture several years ago. I was like two, three, maybe four at most. And I was dressed up as an uh, Army soldier. Oh. I had the uh, uh, Rambo headband. Yeah. The uniform, everything, and it, it looked really slick. It looked cool, and I was like, "Man, look at this!" And then, uh, you know, years later, here I am in the here service, you are. dressed up in the current outfit. So I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of neat." Yeah. Mom and Dad ever have any issues with you going in? Oh, they hated it. Did they really? Yeah, right, right off the bat. Oh man, that, I could see your mom, but Dad, I don't know. Yeah. Mom, I can see protective. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. I know she. Dad was kind of like, you know, all right, you know, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, Mom, she hated it, and she's like, "Well, if you deploy, is something going to happen?" And Right. Then I found out I was deploying, and then she's a little nervous on that one. Oh, the yeah, yeah. So it, that, it was pretty bad. So going back to stolen <laughs> valor, I was watching Tosh Point oh one time, and he was doing a bit on the stolen valor, and they were showing clips. You know, it's it was a clip show, and then he did after all of the people making, you know, calling people out there doing the stolen valor. He was in a skit. <laughs> And someone was coming up to him calling, saying that he had stolen valor. Yeah. Like he was dressed up like a revolutionary war <laughs> guy. <laughs> and was, you have it. <laughs> so funny. I had this one clip that I always remember from Tosh Point. He's like, stolen valor. He's like, what? And he's got like a musket in his hand and the whole red coat on and everything from back in the revolutionary <laughs> war era. <laughs> so funny. So I just thought that was hilarious because... It, obviously, it wasn't a knock on the military, just something that was about this, the skit that they were doing. So that yeah. was, I thought, hilarious. Oh, wow. So, okay. Now, going off of the military thing, now you're big into the Norwegian background, correct? Yes, very much Okay. So. Are you full Norwegian? I would say, say about a 95. Oh, There's a, oh. a little uh, 
Oh, what the heck is that other one? Right next door to them. What's right next Sweden? to them? Sweden? Swedish? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right next door. So, yeah, there's a little well, bit of that on mom's side. Dad's okay. parents are both full-blooded. So, I, my last name, Jacobson, you're Ericsson. So, I have some Norwegian background as well from my grandpa, but... I've never done one of those 23andMe tests or whatever the ones that would show me my ancestry, which I kind of want to do to see, but I know I'm a mixture of a bunch of different things. But my grandpa was big into the Norwegian background, and he had the accent like that as well. He would, oh, tree! He would yep. talk like that, and he would have that Norwegian thing. So I understand that you brew something that's very Norwegian. Is that correct? I do. And what is that? It is called mead. Mead. M-E-A-D, mead. Okay. And it is a kind of compare and really put it out there in a simple term it's like wine yep. but instead of made with grapes it's made with honey and that's where the sugar is pulled from oh it dates okay. back as far as that if not further but i actually brought some with me today oh you brought to, some goodies yeah, we'll, get a sample some of that. well then we're going to try that here once i get done with this and sure. i can go get another glass for that for sure or how do you drink it is it on the rocks or is it just straight up straight up straight up okay yeah. so this is a little is it thicker than wine or is it's, it it is a little thicker than wine um the taste comparison and the uh texture really of it i mean you it kind of has the acidity of a like a little bit of that wine yep but a flavor of like a craft beer ish type we'll taste it out and see what you think and let yeah see what you see how you critique it well yeah definitely gotta fun. see what the difference is between that because i've never even heard of it until you yeah i've never didn't even know what it was so it's a very norwegian thing correct yes okay so does it originate over there i assume that's the, i mean as far as they date back everybody talks about it, yeah. it backtracks to the viking era and that's where okay that's where a lot of it came from is around that region of europe and it's uh there's multiple versions here i don't know I, I doubt that they had that back then but there's a base model of a mead and then there's one where you introduce uh fruits fruit juices spices and you can really branch off and do whatever you want with it okay during the fermentation process so can you make it um like a wine can you make it sweeter drier really dry honestly i don't know much about okay making the wine itself i think a lot of it has to do with the grapes Sure. Where they all come from and how long you let it set. So okay, is there different flavors of meat or is meat just one flavor? Meat, the base level meat is just one flavor. It's basically okay. like, a, like a honey, real thick honey aftertaste. Um, you start introducing those berries and fruits and yep. uh, spices and all that. You can change the profile to whatever you want. And oh, that's nice. The, that's the beauty of it is I'm going to, I got what I brought with me now is just the very base model. I wanted, I got into it almost a year ago. And I made this first batch, and it's been sitting. I want to get rid of it before I start redoing the next one. I want to make sure that the process that I'm doing is smooth first, um, and then I'll start changing it up from there. Okay, so did you have to order ingredients then, or go pick them up somehow, or how did you like even Actually, learn the first, this? So I got a kit uh, oh, there's a for kit. Christmas okay. last year. It was a mead-making kit. All right. Um, took what was in there. You just go out and buy honey. You can A lot of local honey you can get. You can order it online. Uh, depending on what you want, what you're looking for, and use that. It's it's real easy. Water, honey, yeast. And okay. And you can also add some boost uh, yeast nutrients to it, boost it up. Nice. Um, help it help the fermentation process, and you can get different types of honey. Okay. There are several different, like a clove, you know, whatever. You you know, do some research and figure out if you're going to get into it, what you're really looking for. Yep. And it's. It's a lot. It's fun for me. It's fun for you. Yeah. Is it, is it one of your favorite drinks or is it, is it like, ah, I like it here and there. It's, I just, it's one of my favorites okay. where I really got kicked into gear. I went over to a place called Valhalla over in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay. And they're a meadery over there. And so it's called a meadery. Yes. So like a brewery, a this is a meadery. Right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So and where was they, this at? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay, cool. Yeah. So over there, I mean, they had, what was it? I'd say at least a dozen yep. different flavor profiles. Sure. And they're fantastic. Every bit of it is fantastic. I tried, I think there was like one out of them that I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Yep. But every one of them other than that and uh, was fantastic. And then while you're there, they kind of monitor like where you're at. Because that, I mean, that, I watched a guy 
that was sitting at the table next to me, and he got kind of kicked in the face by the alcohol content in that thing. <laughs> what has he got? Whew. Do you know? I've, uh, well, I looked it up, and it said anywhere between 3 to 20%. So if, you, <laughs> That's a big if you're range. on the higher end of the scale, yeah, you're going to get a <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be ear-to-ear grin all night. So at a meadery, is it similar to a brewery, or has it got a different atmosphere or feel? Well, the one I was at, it was it was pretty similar to a normal yeah. brewery. I mean, they've got all their stuff in the back sure. where they, they're taking care of that business out there. But out front, they've got, you know, your taps and taps, glasses, just like a normal bar. Or, That's cool. Uh, brewery. We'll yeah. have to go sometime because we've been going to a lot of breweries lately. Now that you live closer here uh, than you did before, which was Nebraska, mm-hmm. slightly easier to go and do our thing. But, uh, yeah, transferring over to that, um, we go to a lot of breweries around here. Um is there one in particular that you're like, this is a good one to go to? I love going to this one specific. Yeah. Because there's uh, one that I know I love, and I want to see if it's the same one. I really had – what was that one that we, you had, that pseudo-sue? That was one of your – Topling Goliath? Topling Goliath. Down in Decorah? That was fan, That was amazing. Yes. All those beers were good. The food was good. Yep. Yeah. I just had Brett on um, last week, and we did a four – a four beer flight from Toppling Goliath. So yeah. he went in, chose two. I went into the uh, store and we chose two. And so we had four of them and then we just kind of sampled it. And he liked one that was very fruity. It was like wild berry, cranberry, like every berry you can find and it was poured in. And it was almost like having Skittles really. So yeah. that one could come up and kick you in the butt. But <laughs> Toppling Goliath is really cool. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you know this, but Stephanie and I, we sent out invites for our wedding to different places, and Topland Goliath was one that we sent an invite to, and they actually sent something back. So if you ever go on my... Yeah. They sent um, sent some coasters and I think two glasses they sent back. Oh, that was nice of them. Yeah, I know. So that means they checked their mail, first of all. Yeah. And we I've been there three times, once with you and your dad and his buddies, and I've I enjoy that place too. It's so weird because it's on the outskirts of Decorah, Iowa, and Decorah is already small. Yeah. And then it's on the outside of Decorah, and it's just this giant red building, and it's so neat. But I, I love going there too. That's one of my favorite ones as well. We'll take another trip down there on our cycles because uh now, like I told you, now that I got my Harley, I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to upgrade from that Indian. Yeah, both man. Indians. Yeah. I got rid of both Indians got that Harley. So now I'm part of the crew. Um, yeah. That's so, a nice ride, man. That yeah. Really it's good. sweet. So you have a Harley. What do you have? I have a 2010 Road King. 2010 Road King. And yeah. that, does that have a fairing on it or? Anything? It does not. Nope. It's, so you got the windshield? Uh, do I don't know. I like to ride with that thing on anyway. You like? Oh, you like the wind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I never thought I'd have a fairing in my life. I was like, oh, yeah. that looks like old man style. And I'm like, wait a second. These creature features are quite nice when I'm cruising at 70 or 60 <laughs> where I can hear my music and I'm not getting beat up in the face with the wind. But I remember when I had the other one. Now I'm like, man, I don't think I'd ever go back. Really? So, I, I, you know, I really like the CVO. It's a, it's a sweet bike. But yeah. I know you rode it, and you think that I need to have ape hangers. And yes. Well, at least pick them up. <laughs> so you have those bars, I mean, sitting right here. So if you're watching, you can see. But if you're listening, my bars come right about, if you are to stick your hands straight out, that's about where my handlebars come out. Where do yours come just, out? Well, yours are just above lap height. Yeah. Mine sit just above shoulder height. Okay. Circulation-wise, oh, man, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. yeah. And see, I rode yours, and it was comfortable. I didn't have a problem with it. However, the element of having the fairing for me and my hands above the fairing don't make sense. Yeah. But I also, I, well, I'm not uncomfortable when I ride there. You said, because all we went was like six or seven miles down the street. And you're like, man, my arms are like numb. I don't even like that. And you might because you're not used to it. Yeah. And I didn't have any problem riding yours with the with the ape hangers on it. The one thing I did find that was easier with the ape hangers is I could turn sharper when I was backing it into a parking stall because it's closer to your body when your hands are up higher because it's not as far away. Yep. So I'm almost like reaching a little bit where yours is more like coming towards you a little. So I did find it easier when backing into a stall in order to, because I do know when I'm trying to park, put that as far as I can one way or the other, it's tough because I'm reaching one end out and the other hand's right next to my thigh. So I understand, but uh, it's yeah, been it's fun. A big difference, big difference. So I like, I like having you here because now we can ride. So I'm glad you guys moved back from Nebraska. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it's pretty neat. One uh, ride I do want to take is jump on, what is the east side of the Mississippi, on the Wisconsin side, Yep. and take off south. Go south, so down to like DeSoto and 
Illinois, Iowa, that area. Something like that. Yeah. Was it uh, Davenport? Davenport. Straight. What is that? Or prayer, or, uh, straight down to Prairie to Sheen. Well, Davin, uh, well, Dubuque is right on the river. Dubuque, that's and right. that's where Justin lives, right in that oh, area. Boy. Yeah, so I'm like, we can go there. And you'd love <laughs> if we came down there because I want to actually go do that and stay the weekend with him, and that's a, that's a ride we should do because I don't really want to ride three and a half hours one way by myself. It's kind of boring. I did that yeah. when I came back from Milwaukee when Justin and I we split off, but. That's a ride that we could do over the summer because he's like, come down here. There's like six or seven breweries just in this town alone. Get some patches. Get some patches, yeah. yeah. If, if for anyone that doesn't know, speakeasies are here. Uh, well, two, about half of them, two-fourths of us are sitting here. Your dad's part of it. Justin's not part of it. He'll be on the cast sometime. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, we're all from different areas, but we've got the speakeasies. Uh, we, we ride, and we like to go to different breweries. We like to drink responsibly, meaning we have the small little tasters almost or the flight beers that are like four or five ounces. So we're not going and getting all liquored up. We're just having a few little ones. So that is something we could possibly do over a weekend if you have a weekend free ever. I know you're gone a lot for work. but yeah. So speaking of work, um, you, what, you have a job that I'm not even sure I understand what you do because I feel like you have been doing the same thing. However, your jobs have changed like five or six different times in the last two years. Yeah. So what, what is it that, first of all, did you go to college for this? No. No. So, no college for this. Okay. So what are you into then? Uh, so I started off with the uh, trades, working in the trades as a millwright, working on rotating equipment. Pumps, compressors, turbines, motors, uh, drag conveyors, bucket elevators, anything that has bearings and can go around. Okay. Uh, installation, demobilization, tearing down things, rebuilding them, putting them back together. Uh, started out with that, did that for about, uh, what, seven, almost eight years. Okay. And now joined a worldwide giant pump manufacturer as a field service mechanic. So I'll go out there and now take all this a broad range of information and tear apart a pump and tear apart rebuild put put back online what kind of pump are we talking uh, pumps in refineries power plants okay uh, oil pipelines any fluid that's got to go from one spot to another that's what you're doing yeah okay stick stuff in there and makes the push things from point a to point b push things from point so now are you located do you just go in every day or are you all across the country i'm across the united states and we it's kind of interesting because we got we're on call so if somebody at the drop of a hat says hey we need a guy here tomorrow hey mark can you get on a plane and get here tonight okay you have to do it yes okay or at least try my best to get there yep um within the next 24 hours what if you're 48 hours then what it is what it is it is what it is okay got to get out of flight or get my tool truck and scoot halfway across the united states all right it is what it is but they they understand yeah well i mean how you know you gotta obviously get to the airport hopefully get a flight now do they book the flight for you you do that yourself we do all our own booking Um, uh, travel or we're a travel agent we take care of our own expenses um take and Really take care of our tool trucks. Sure, and that's why I had you on because I knew that you have a crazy schedule where you could be gone for a week at a time or three weeks or a day. Yep. You don't even know. So that's why I said, well, let's get you on as soon as we can because you could get a call right now and have to be gone in 24 hours or something like that. So it's good that we got you on now while we could because that's a crazy schedule. I don't know if I could handle it. I mean, it sounds kind of fun because – you get the travel places, which sounds amazing, because I know one time you're in Texas because you were sending me pictures of patches and such. Oh yeah, at different breweries. <laughs> so I know you were down there one time, and but uh, it sounds like you could have fun. But then obviously, family's at home, and now they're sitting there wondering: Do they do they tell you how long you're gone for? No, no, they no. Saying. They'll try and have an allotted couple of days, and sure. if something happens and something breaks down or something doesn't go together right, yep, got to make a new part. We got to wait on parts to ship out there. We'll either sit out at the customer's facility, find something to do, or go hang out at the hotel and wait on something to show up. Or they'll say, hey, go home and come back in a couple of weeks, depending on what the situation is, really. Um, One of the interesting ones you're talking about, like a day trip. So I got a phone call in the afternoon, and they said, hey, we need you in, what was it, Uh, North Carolina tomorrow. Can you go? I said, absolutely. So I got my flight, got my hotel, got my rental. 
flew down to North Carolina, showed up the next morning, worked for two hours, got a flight home the same day because we, there's nothing we could really do with this piece of machinery. It's all locked up. Well, if it's locked up, it's got to go out to the shop. And they tear it apart and fix it according to the manufacturer's specifications. So we, we said, hey, uh, see you. We're out of here. <laughs> two hours. <Yep. laughs> fly halfway yep. across the United States. Two hours. Fly back. Yeah. That's interesting. So you must have a lot of points built up in hotels yeah, and it's been airplanes. Crazy. They let you keep that stuff? Oh, yeah. Nice. And they reimburse you, I assume, is what happens. Or is there like a company card that no, you just... No, it's a company card. They pay Dang. for it. They take care of us. And it's uh, Dang. That's cool. Treatment's so, great. So you didn't go to school for that? You no. just learned it on the job? Well, when I was in the millwrights, they, they, you go through an apprenticeship okay. where you learn basic knowledge. And then as, if you take off and one branch or another if you mean you go to like steel fabrication uh precision installation just depends on what you really grasp who you talk to and sure. what you want to get into you can shoot in one direction you can take off in the other and forget what you learned over here um <laughs> so i took what i had and got the opportunity to jump on board with these guys and it's been um, great ever since that's good so i'm gonna pause right there you brought basil hayden i did and you brought the one that i couldn't find the one you couldn't find I would like to test that out before we get back to your job. Sure. So let's show, let's show, first of all, the audience that are watching at home. This is what, the 10-year rye, is that correct? This is the 10-year rye that you were looking for. All right. So this is Basil Hayden's 10-year Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. This is the one where I was reading it said putting it on the rocks or just dropping a little bit of water in it will make the flavor just pop. Yep. So we've had toasted. Mark was kind enough to bring this one here for us so i would like to take a little taste of this and Not i want to see what we got so is this your all-time favorite that right there my personal all-time favorite your personal yep. i've had ones that are a little bit more expensive a little cheaper but, but they've got like you know we we're, were talking about that talking about that bite where you make a face yep this got it no nope absolutely not i mean if you do Maybe it's not for you. But if you do, you're me. just not a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what we got here. Because it said on the website that it's smooth, but the, all the websites say that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I get a bolder flavor for sure. Definitely no bite. When you sniff it, it smells like there's going to be a bite, but there's mm -hmm. not. Now, I had one last night. So for everyone listening, today's New Year's Day, New Year's Happy Eve. Happy New Year's. Happy 2024. Happy 2024. This won't be out until about February, so <laughs> it is what it is. But happy 2024. You're my first interview of 2024. But last night I had a, it was a bourbon or a whiskey. No, it was scotch. Sorry, it was scotch. And it, I can't even remember. I think it was Glenn Levitt. And it was, it said something like it was Caribbean or something like that. And it smelled like it was about to burn the back of my throat. Went down so smooth. It was like a tropical whiskey scotch bourbon thing. And I don't know. I never saw the bottle. I was just told this is what it was. And I said, this is fantastic, whatever that is. And Brett's the one that poured it for me. So I don't know where I got it from, but I might have to try that out sometime. Yeah. So getting back to your job. So what you went through an apprenticeship. Yep. What does that mean? What is an apprenticeship? So you're... You're uh, learning your job, really, learning what you do on the job. Um, they have scheduled classes, what they do uh, one per quarter, nor a normal like school year. Okay. So we'd go four-year apprenticeship, four classes a year, and uh, get through there. You need time on the working time on the job. Yep. And then once you cross off all those boxes, and ch or check the boxes, really, um, you work your way to being a journeyman, which once you're a journeyman, you kind of have free reign to work wherever you want you don't you answer to certain people i mean kind of like any job you do sure now is this something specific like i'm gonna i'm doing this apprenticeship is it something specific or is it a wide variety of different jobs that were it's a wide variety okay. of jobs depending on where you go you could be pushing a broom all day long you could uh <laughs> that sounds I mean, amazing i mean you're, you're making you're making good money you're in the trades you're taking care of sure um, sure those union guys they really take care of themselves yep. um it's it's really a good deal to get into is that union trade no matter what it is, really. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those things that kids don't realize nowadays is you can go to these trade schools, apprenticeship, yeah. uh, two-year vocational school, 
And you can make more money sometimes, or I would say more than sometimes, than people that go to a four-year college. Oh, I mean, yeah. I doing this podcast, I learned this on YouTube. I didn't go to classes. I'm learning how to do the editing, the website building, the audio engineering, I think you would call it. I'm sure. learning how to do this on YouTube. There's no class I took. So it is crazy how much you can learn, but you do need sometimes a certificate or something saying, hey, I passed this. Yeah. So did you get like some sort of diploma or some sort of thing that says, hey, I'm Mark Erickson. I have... I've done all this. Is there something? Yeah, you get your journeyman with a, a journeyman card. Okay. Um, basically, a certificate saying you've made it through the apprenticeship. Um, once you get through that apprenticeship, your expectation level, I mean, it's, it's up here. Okay. You are going to make the good money. You're going to go wherever you want to go. But at the same time, if you're not pulling your weight, you're not going to be working as much as some of the rest of the guys that try to you know, keep their head down and work hard. Sure. So I was also told from your sister that you went to culinary school. I did. <laughs> so I that did. seems like it's the total opposite <laughs> of yeah. what you're doing now. So I got out of basic training in AIT while I was in the service. Being in the National Guard, I've got time to go do whatever I want versus if you're in the full-time <laughs> Army, you're at a base all the time. So National Guard, we still have this um, allotted money for school. And I sure. said, well, I'm a huge fan of cooking food. Really? Huge fan. Okay. So I said, well, what are we going to do with this? So let's go to culinary school, do, try the chef industry out and see how that goes. Yeah. What year was this? Two, was it after you had done your tour? 2006. So the before you went? Yes. Okay. So it was the, about spring 2006. All right. And I got into school. They do one year of school and then three months of an internship for your bachelor's, a two-year Sure. Yeah. What school did you go to? Le Cordon Bleu. Oh, fancy. Miami. Yeah. So I expect you to be whipping up some hibachi here pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll no, go was, really good with this. It was good school. Uh, instructors were great. Ended up with a, an amazing um, internship up in northern Minnesota, Nisswa, at Grandview Lodge. Okay. And that place is amazing. Everything about it. The, the hotel itself, the, um, the houses on the beach. Um, they've got a bunch of nice golf courses, one designed by Arnold Palmer, from my understanding. And where is this at? Up in Nisswa. Nisswa, Minnesota? Nisswa, Minnesota. Okay, I've never been there. So. It's called Deacon's Lodge. Deacon's Lodge. Fancy? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to spend some money when you go up there. Yeah? Yeah, it's <laughs> worth uh, this. I, so I, we played that one time, and being a employee up there, we we got the privilege of being able to, I mean, you're not going to abuse it, but you go out to this golf course and you tell them you work there. And they said, hey, okay, well, not a problem. You go ahead, take a tea time. So, okay. So we showed up, and I realized at that point in time why some people take golf so seriously, and that's oh, what yeah. they love to do with every bit of their heart. I mean, just the scenery up there. Yep. The more expensive golf courses are worth every bit of it, if they're designed right, and this place was. Well, you definitely missed out on a good course for my bachelor party because I think you were oh, working, right? Oh, man, you got to rub it in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it was cool because it was designed after some of the um, actual holes that were um, – like they had Augusta number 16 or 13. It was a replica hole. So they had like er – some, not every one of them, but most of them were uh, replica holes. And it was such a fun time. Uh, a little spendy, but I think the one you're talking about could be even more expensive. But this was really neat. Um, and it was a really cool thing is one of the guys, Jay, got a hole-in-one while we were there. No way. On the second hole. No way. Yes. The guys text us because we had to do – we had eight guys, so we had four and four. So I said, why don't we just all join up and just play eight? There's nobody out here today. And they said, nah, nah, we don't want to abuse the course rules. I'm like, there's nobody around us, but okay, whatever. So they text us. Jay got a hole in one. I'm like, yeah, right. Way to go, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to Jay on that yeah. hole in one. Because the guy's so damn modest, he wouldn't even hardly say anything about it. I'm like, okay, like, why isn't he? I didn't, why didn't we hear any cheering or anything? And Jay is a pretty modest guy. Um, you guys get along really well because he's big into using his hands and the trades and stuff like that. You guys get along real well. But, anyways, um, all of a sudden we see drinks coming back from the cart girl to ours and i'm like it was bought from him I'm like yeah he got a hole in one and so then about two holes later we finally caught up to him I'm like hey did you really get a hole in one he goes yeah i'm like and he he wouldn't lie he's he's too honest of a guy yeah but he's like yep we got a hole in one i'm like 
Wow. I'm like, I would be really freaking happy, I think, right now if I had a hole in one, but I guess you're just like, yeah. And it was the second one, by the way, in his life. Oh, no way. <laughs> so. <laughs> Some guys go their whole life and never get one. Some go. guys they get multiple and they don't even care about the second one, I guess. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that was a really fun time and sounds probably like what is in Niswa, which I've never even heard about that. But Arnold Palmer designed the course there. To my understanding, yeah, that's pretty cool because yeah. I think he has multiple courses that he designed. Yeah. I think there's some in Florida too, which would make way more sense. But right. yeah, same thing. So have you ever used your um, used your culinary arts? At all? No? No. Just at home? Yeah, just at home. You're just the best at-home cook. Yes. <laughs> Great. That's no, awesome. I did, uh, what was it, three years at that lodge. So I did my initial uh, apprenticeship, or you call it apprenticeship or, you know, whatever, through there. We'll call it the field experience. Yeah. You know, okay. You do your uh, three months of internship, sorry. Do your three months there, and then they have what, six different major restaurants they've got um your a la carte which is you know you read from the menu tell them what you want you've yep. got your banquet style where we were doing hundreds 500 to 750 people per meal of the day depending on how many people were booked for the lodge at that sure. point in time during the summer and you just i mean you get in there you beat feet you keep your head down work hard prepare food get it on these uh little bread trucks and we drive around the resort dropping everything off oh and once you get to that last location you better get on that truck and back to the kitchen you got way more work to do to get ready for that next meal and uh, all summer long it's like that monday through yeah. sunday so it was uh, it was pretty interesting uh, a lot of people work there a lot of good folks was, you think you like what you do now better than that you think like maybe that would have been a better I mean, route the, the, there are pluses and minuses sure. that come with each um, that line of work they don't tell you unless you're the top guy you are the head chef you own your own thing you're not going to make anything for money okay uh, once i got into the trades that's when i was started finally able to uh, what was it like um ten or eight nine ten years later actually start putting money back towards that school fund so i was like man i need i've well, the military didn't cover jobs. it. No. Oh. I ended up with some issues with paperwork and oh. they wanted to help me out. So here I ate that whole bill. My eyes little, Is it expensive? Little, I don't even know. It's culinary. It started off at $40,000 for basically a year and some change. Oh, wow. And Holy then, cow. Yeah. So <laughs> joining the trades really, I mean, financially was one of the best things. Okay. Best things that ever could have happened. So kids, if you're listening... Don't be ashamed if you go into the trades because there's good money to be made. I know. I've Real. called plumbers. Yep. They charge like $100 or more an hour. Yep. So just think if you worked underneath someone a couple of years and then start your own plumbing business or electrical business or something like that, boy, you charge up the wazoo. Yeah, and then you're, not, you're also not putting yourself in student debt. That too, yeah. You make good money and no debt. Doesn't hardly cost to right go to a vocational back. school. Yep. No. So, yeah, I, I hate when people, you know, they like push that four-year thing. I'm like, yeah, I went to four-year college. I know. But I would never say, ah, don't go to this and don't do this. I would say, you know what? Learn in your high school times, especially your junior and senior year. Figure out what you love to do, and hopefully you can figure that out and not go into student debt because that's right. not very fun because it seems like a bill is coming for the rest of your life almost. <laughs> but that's <laughs> not something I would want, I guess. But uh, yeah. trades are not, you know, people give it kind of a bad rap, but it's okay. It might be a blue-collar, quote-unquote, thing, but it's making white-collar money, I think, from yes. one of the bills I got to pay for the plumbers and stuff. It yep. seems like it. So this is, oh, man, this is good stuff right here. This I'm is telling you, very smooth. That 10-year ride, you can tell the difference. I mean, the toast tastes good, and it's smooth, but you get that 10-year aged, man. And having the ice in it, I like. So if we're pissing off any connoisseurs. Sorry. We apologize. Drinking it, not you. <laughs> Come on the cast and let me have it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you sit right there and you're pissed at me. But, yeah, I, well, see, the thing is, I like pretty much any drink chilled yeah. so whether it would be chilled and not on the rocks i gotta have it chilled usually i don't even like hot chocolate in the winter i will grab a cold bottle of water really before I, yeah in the winter time i'll grab cold bottle of water something like that i just don't like drinking things that are warm i don't know what it's, it is so it's not the chocolate it's just warm 
Yeah, I just don't like warm stuff. Like cold chocolate. I'll give me chocolate milk. I'm fine. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll take chocolate milk. That's not a problem. So, anyways, have you had any? Um, I mean, we grew up in the, about the same era. You're what, maybe a year or two older than me. You no, know, 38. Yeah, so and I'm 36. So, did you have any cool cars in high school? I had well, my first car, a '96 Firebird. Oh, '96 Firebird. '96 Firebird. Was it a V6 T-tops. or V8? V6. Oh, but it did have T-tops. It did have T-tops. Well, a lot of the V6s did not have T-tops. So. I was, uh, that was my ride. That was your and ride. I made it 14 years with that vehicle. Really? In the Minnesota winters. Yeah. yeah. Driving down the highway. Here you got semis, raised trucks, everybody else with four-wheel drive that's not supposed to be in the ditch, but they are. And here I got a rear-wheel drive sports car. <laughs> here he comes. White knuckle in this thing. I mean, my face is about six inches from the steering wheel, making sure that yep. I'm right dead centered on that road <laughs> but then eventually the car just started taking a toll so it was crapping out yeah how many miles you put on that thing before it went i think it was at 150 ish 150 ish hundred fifty thousand ish okay yeah. when how did you get it brand new or close to? No, I got it slightly used out of St. Paul. Okay, so yeah. slightly used. Yeah. So it wasn't not very many miles on her? No. That's good. At least it went a while. I mean, Pontiac's not even around anymore. Right. I had a 99 Trans Am as well, um, T-Toss, but I had the V8, and it was a six-speed. It was a fun car. I had it one winter. I w- wouldn't recommend doing it again for a winter vehicle, but no. I did have it for no. a one winter, and it actually got around better than I expected to because it was rear-wheel drive. Yeah. And usually that's not what you want. If anything, you want front-wheel drive, but here in Minnesota, we all know it's all-wheel or four-wheel. So so it, that was your baby. Yes. Did you do any modifications to it? I did not. I no did subwoofers? Nothing, no, nothing. What? Nothing. I did nothing in that car. Just <laughs> enjoyed it for what it was. Nice. Um, the... The windows were about as black as the paint when I bought it. Oh, you someone tinted it out? You see in that car. But then after several tickets from the law <laughs> saying, <laughs> yeah, hey, you can't have windows this dark, $135 a pop after a couple of those. Yeah. Like, okay. How oh, much was peel. the ticket? 135 a piece. Damn. Yeah. So it was already so like that when you had one, it? I was like, all right, this is going to go. When you bought that, it was already tinted? Yeah. Okay. So and someone in St. Paul, they don't have to worry about that. Really? Yeah. I feel like they the would. The last thing the police officer is going to worry about up there is suppose. the darkness of your window. Well, actually, got enough going on I would there. like to uh, say no because I was up um, 10 years ago-ish. I was up 10 years, and I was parked on the side of the street because I went to the auto show when I usually go every year. Yeah, They gave me a ticket for not having a front license plate on while what? parked. Really? So I like to beg to differ. <laughs> they don't. They have better things to do because clearly that person didn't have anything better to do. Could have been a meter maid out there. I don't know. Yeah. Pissing people off. I'm up there literally paying the toll to park there for a few hours, and they gave me a ticket for that. Well, it you're was... normally a sharp-dressed guy. Were you sharp-dressed up there to where you kind of felt belittled off nah. of one of your suits? Nah, I didn't have a suit Fine on. Dress. They had a Cadillac Escalade, though. That's what was parked there. <laughs> <laughs> the EXT model at that truck. That was a cool car. I like that. It was like the Avalanche, but yeah. it was the caddy version. Thing rode beautiful. Everyone said, oh, you don't have a real truck. I'm like, really? Because it's got a 6.0 in the damn thing, and it hauls everything just like normal and can tow just as much. So I didn't know why people always said that, but yeah. it's a Cadillac, so I suppose it got, it was like stepchild that just it's got not, beaten. It's not a working truck. It was the beaten it's stepchild. A <laughs> it's a good-looking truck. It's not a work truck. Yeah. yeah you want a good work truck. But it was like the first tonneau covers were out there because they had that three-panel tonneau cover. Yeah. The only problem was is when you took them off, you had a storm somewhere, and most of the time it was in the back, so you already took away some of your cargo space. But it was really cool. The other thing about that is the whole back seat and the window folded down, so you could have all the way from the back bed of the truck all the way to the front seats, and it would all come down and collapse. So I, I hauled a couch one time, and I was surprised. So I, I got that. Put a couch in that thing? Hell yeah, dude. Really? Yeah, it went all the way up because the window came out, the window pane, and the seats folded down, and then the little huh. bar that held the window and the seats up came out as well. So it was literally, you could see all the way from the back end to the front seats, clear as day. So you could actually haul some things. It was really innovative for early 2000s, That's mid-2000s, because that was 04. Yeah. That was a neat ride. Those are kind of cool. You can still get one for like 10 grand, but seems like a little... What year was that? 04, I think. 04. Yeah. So it was like right when the EXTs came out. I think the 03 was their first year. Yeah. Kind of a sweet ride. Go get one. <laughs> like 10 grand or so. <laughs> oh, we got to try some of that mead here. Yeah. Yeah. Are you almost done? Oh, yeah, you're getting down there. 
Oh, that's smooth. Dude, it's so smooth you can almost just drink it normal. Mm-hmm. That's oh. why I was, uh, was kind of like, well, Chris, you asked me the question, what's one of your favorites? Yep. And, uh, hands down, that 10-year. Now I'm seeing why. Yeah. That's pretty good. I hope Basil Hayden calls us up and says, hey, I'm going to do a little sponsorship with you. There you go. Send me a few cases of that 10-year. We'll, <laughs> we'll get you on here. Well, you guys have a sweet bar back here, too. You, may, you could just kind of promote it, put some signs Speaking up. Speaking of which, if you look back there, for those who are watching, you'll see your, your lady of the night behind us. She's watching us. <laughs> She's watching you. She's watching me. Yeah, She's don't wa- worry about what's going on over here. Well, you took a nice, cute photo with her. I did. You know, I saw <laughs> her, and she was kind of lonely sitting yeah. at the bar. With so, yeah. raised, so I just got in there real close. and Those were the pre-wedding cheesy. shenanigans there. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I yeah. have that photo somewhere. I think I sent it to you. You did. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I was kind of wondering. That's, that's one of the, I think, my top five I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, well, we had everything below the sun on those photos. All right, let's try some meat before we get into the next topic. Because I got, I think you've given it to me one time. You want me to grab another cup? Yeah. I grab another cup. It'd probably be, you're, it'll take away from that. Because that's, I mean, well, we don't want to take too away. Too different, yeah. All right. She going to blow? No, I thought no. so. I'm kind of hoping it. <laughs> hoping it was not. All right. For those who just tuned in, maybe, or halfway through, this guy makes his own mead. Very Norwegian very, of him to do. Very much so. And we're going to taste it. And, you know, it looks. Like the consistency of wine with the colorization of urination. (laughs) Looks like someone that's dehydrated. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that does smell like honey. I can smell the honey right off Mm -hmm. the bat. Yeah, this is very, very baseline. It doesn't. I was thinking it was going to be thicker. But it's actually thinner than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I think you gave it to me one time, and I didn't really know what the heck I was tasting. Yeah. But now that we got this podcast, we've got to learn all about it. Yes, yes, yes. And we've got Justin and Lana's wedding cups from October 7th of 17. Well, they've been together for a little while now. Congratulations, while. guys. Keep little, it going. Keep her going. Six years plus. Yep. Congratulations. So anyways, um, going back to the car stuff, you've had, you had one car that was your baby i guess if you had to get your all-time favorite what would you be getting or would it even be a car would it be something else it would be a car if i could have one vehicle ever okay be a 1951 mercury lead sled now hold on what is that you've seen gone in 60 seconds i've seen it maybe twice in my life so if you remember this very distinct car older model it's got a black car flames down the side and it shoots fire out of the tailpipe okay it sounds like something from a zz top thing yes is <laughs> beautiful just the profile of it wide thick body windows uh what are they like four inches okay four inches tall or so something it's like, like a four chopped five inches. yeah chopped, chopped rough. top cool to where it's re- the top is really lowered i mean at the profile of it it's just beautiful. And the teeth on the grill, well, when you look at the front end yep. of it, it looks like a bunch of teeth hanging out of the front, and it's just gorgeous. That's all time. I don't want anything that goes like 1,000 miles an hour. I'm not into, you want I'm not into that kind of speed. Yeah, no, I the get lux- you. The luxury slow rider with a good look to it. Yeah. So what's my, that called again? Style. It is a 1951 Mercury lead sled. 51 Mercury lead sled. Is that actual the, the name of the model? The, or is I that think the, the lead sled came from the chop top. Okay. But you know, 1951 Mercury, and then they did the lead sled, which lowered the whole yep. roof of the car. I can only imagine what that looks like. Because all I think about is like a ZZ Top music video. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I think <laughs> So that's a unique one. Have you ever seen one at a car show at all? Anybody ever have one? A Mercury, but Not it wasn't like the lead sled version. No. Okay. So you'd have to make it maybe your own? Yep. You, well, I mean, you, a, a lot of places have it. Problem is, if you're going to find a car like that that's in good condition, you're going to pay like it anywhere from like fifty some thousand dollars. I've seen them up to like one hundred fifty, hundred sixty thousand. Ooh, that's car. a yeah. steep price to pay. So I was thinking maybe since I do a lot of uh, a lot of work with you know steel fabrication and stuff like that, that'd be a fun project to try and yeah. tackle and get into. Be... I don't know if I got that kind of resources and yeah, definitely, definitely not money. Uh, well, there's expensive. You're talking a hundred thousand dollar car. 
That's a lot, yeah. I don't have anything like that. Well, you'll work your way up then. I know. So, anyways, um, is there anything else you want to add to the cast at all? No, you know, I, I just appreciate you having me on here, and this has been a cool experience. I mean, you guys have a beautiful garage, a nice setup. It's a heck of a good time, and I just appreciate you having me. Yeah. Do you have a question, though? Okay. And I was thinking about this on the way out over here. So, things that go vroom. Things that go vroom. A lot of people that know you and Steph know you and Steph as river enthusiasts. Yep, that's true. Your boat. Yep. How did you come across that particular model? Uh, That's a good question. Um, So, like I said, I like to go to the auto show. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they also have the boat show at the same location. Okay. And they also have the motorcycle show that we should probably go to sometime as well, where all the newest and latest things are coming out. But the boat show is something else. I mean, you see the boats when they're in the water. They don't look as big as they do when they are on land in a showroom. Or this is actually at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Okay. Um, just kind of came across um, looking at everything. And I had had jet boats growing up all my life. And then I had... I don't know. You probably don't even know. I had that 30-foot, like, mini, like a mini yacht, sport cruiser. Had a, hit living quarters underneath. You probably didn't even know. I, I had, saw pictures of it. Yeah, I, mean, I never saw it in person, but I think Steph sent me yeah. some pictures of it. Yeah. So I had that, and I wasn't a big fan of that. I was a fan of the jet propelled. Mm-hmm. And because on the river here, we have a lot of wing dams. So you can run into a wing dam real easily if you're not on the main channel. Oh. So <clears throat> with that comes the jet boat where there's no props hanging down the water. So if anything, the worst thing you're going to do is either A, mess up your gel coat or your fiberglass by yeah. hitting the rocks, or two, sucking up something into your intake. That can mess that up. But an intake is a lot less money than a prop is. An intake's like a 1000 bucks max. And so anyways, um, saw that one, and it was 27 foot, and I was like, this is kind of the happy medium. Um, I just talked on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with Brett. We wish, him and I, both wish that there was a cabin cruiser where it had the living quarters on it, mm-hmm. but in a jet-propelled uh, fashion of um, the way it moves, obviously. Because then you could still do all your living under there, but you don't have to worry so much about the wing dams that are on the river. So I came across that, though, uh, two years ago, three years ago, at the boat show in Minneapolis, and it was just sad, and I'm like, man, this is so beautiful. You can literally walk right down the middle of it and never really have to take a step out. Okay. And it still had like kind of that luxury feel to it rather than the sporty feel. Because before that, I had that red, black, and white one that had the wakeboard tower and all that kind of stuff on it. Yeah. That was a really cool one, too. But this one is just more, you know, we can haul out 10 people and not have to worry about it because it's yacht certified. So when it's yacht certified, that means that... As many people as they can sit is as many people as you can have on there. The other boats mostly have a person or a weight limit, whereas you obviously go by the weight limit. You and me are bigger guys, so we fill it up for like a person and a half is what we are because I think they give like the Uh, average size of a human, which is probably like 170 to 180 pounds. Well, I know darn well you're not that, and I know I'm not. Nope. I'm 230-ish, so I'm like a person and a half going on there. So you can't always go by how many people I can hold. On other boats, you have to go by what's the weight limit. Yeah. So that one just it was sitting on it was sitting in the showroom, which everything looks amazing in a showroom. It was black, white, and that brown tan interior just looked like luxury and sport all together. And that's kind of like my big thing. I like luxury and sporty together, and that's where I came across that. But funny part is that boat with a trailer, it was on the lower end of everything there. Really? And that's $160,000. That's they had, a ride, though. It's a ride. <laughs> but then they had like a $700,000 boat that was sitting there that has everything on it. It has living quarters in it, has a front bow. Things move down to get off nice at the dock. Like It extends out. The side of the boat will just go down remotely, and then you can just walk off onto the dock, <laughs> obviously. So... Actually, the Yamahas, when you go to a boat show, are one of the lower models because they they really range anywhere from thirty to one hundred and sixty thousand yeah. dollars, and that's the low end. It's like when we're talking about this bourbon right now, yeah. we're like, oh, seventy five dollars. That's entry level. 
Well, that's pretty good for us, I guess. Exactly. Uh, when you're talking about that, we came across at the boat show in Minneapolis, and we hope to go. It's always fun, even if you're not going to buy anything, or even if you're not in the market to buy anything. It's still fun because you can walk on all of them. You can go in them. You just got to take your shoes off. You can walk in them, go into their cabins, go into the the heads or the bathrooms, yeah. and you can experience all of it. And then it's just kind of really unique because you don't get to go on all these nice brand new boats anywhere else. I mean, you only see these kind of boats, you know, probably Lake Minnetonka here in Minnesota. That's where you're going to see it. Or you're going to see them down in like Miami. Because yeah. Miami has a really sweet boat show, from what I understand as well. Oh, I'm sure being where they're at. So, yeah. I came across that, uh, the Minneapolis boat show, and I traded in. No, actually, I did not trade that in. I sold that. Uh, I sold that to a, f a couple out of, I think, Chicago or Milwaukee. There, there, it was going on Lake Michigan is where it was going. So okay. that was a pain in the butt to get that on there because it takes a certain trailer because those kind of boats that I had usually don't come with trailers. Okay. That's a pain. So I didn't like that factor because yeah. now I'm at the helm or I'm at the not the helm. I'm sorry. I'm at the uh, mercy of what someone's going to charge me to pull a boat out or what someone's going to charge me to take this and um, maneuver it somewhere else because you have to have a certain type of trailer and a certain type of vehicle in order to pull a boat that heavy. Okay. So this one, it only weighs 5,600 pounds, I believe, dry. It has a 90-gallon tank in it. If you had it filled up, I think I did the weight. If it's completely filled up, 700 pounds of gas is in it. So you're only at like 65 to 7,000 pounds pulling with the trailer on it. So it was easy enough to maneuver, big enough to host people like your family, our families together can go on the river and enjoy it. Yeah. So that's how we that's came across it. always a good it. time. That's yeah. why I was just curious. I was like, you know, I was just thinking maybe it's something to ask you on the podcast about how yep. you guys found that boat. Because it's obviously, it's it's a good time, beautiful ride, but... Yep. How'd you find it? I was just curious about that. And, and the thing is with that, it goes over wakes and waves pretty darn well. It's pretty smooth. You go down to like a 20-footer because mine's a 27. You go down to a 20-footer, and you're hitting those waves, and it's bam, bam, and the water splashing over. I pretty much cruise over top of most of those things unless they're really, really big. But yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's a good question. Appreciate yeah. that. Oh, that's yeah, fun. absolutely. Just curious. Thought I'd bring it up. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? No, just curious. Yeah, no, if you've got any other questions, I would love to, uh, to have them. It's great when someone comes on and asks me well, questions. Well, if you have me on again, I'll think there's more questions. Hell yeah. In the meantime, <laughs> start, start asking you some more stuff. Sure. you all right with that. I'd be cool with that. You just all come right, on then. and you answer, ask me question after yeah, question. Turn it around. Say, Mr. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I think we're going to wrap this episode up here. Um, it's been another edition of Brews and Cruise. I am your host, Chris Jacobson. You can find this on Spotify, Apple you can find this on YouTube and any other platform of podcasts as well. If you could subscribe, that would be fantastic. If you like, that would be even better as well. Anything to get the word out about Bruising Cruise podcast, I would much appreciate. Until next week, cheers. <laughs>